Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simon's on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're answering your listener questions. Yeah, listener question Monday episode lined up for you. I love hearing from our listeners. When you say, oh yeah, I like that. It makes me think of oh, the, yeah. the Kool-Aid guy busting through the brick busting wall. Through the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, listener <laughs> questions. Uh, we've got five great ones today, including uh, a listener. She is asking about utilizing some special accounts to pay for some upcoming baby expenses. We've got another question where we might be dissuading a listener from going with the beloved Roth IRA uh, because it may not make sense uh, given his situation as well as uh, a listener who's wanting to choose the best life insurance plan. We'll get to those three questions plus a couple others during this episode. That's man. right. But before we get to that, Matt, I actually wanted to do, and we don't really first. do this often, but a follow-up from another listener questions episode. Oh, yeah. Which was, I guess this was maybe a month and a half listener ago. Listener Matt. That's right. We right? took Matt's question, and Matt specifically was going through a period of unemployment, which... It was really difficult for for him, for his wife. And we tried to give our best advice for how to maybe extend those dollars. 
to get through this time of unemployment. And and it turns out we got an update from Matt. And we just I just had to share it with everybody because it turns out Matt just got a job where he a better job. He just doubled mm-hmm. his pay. He's got way better benefits and it happened just in the nick of time so like yes. really pumped for matt <laughs> yeah and his benefits include the fact that his car is now paid for i've never had a car paid for <laughs> no <laughs> that sounds awesome what's what's up joel like how come my, my car's not getting paid for well i don't know we, we might be able to we'll talk to our tax person maybe, see yeah maybe one that. of these days we'll do that but also 100 percent of his health insurance premiums are covered these are some amazing benefits not for to real. mention higher matches when it comes to retirement plans more money in your paycheck overall this, yeah ph- phenomenal a phenomenal boost to Matt's career. So, And he mentioned that at some point he wants to go the entrepreneurial route, but for the time being, Matt, this is just like an incredible win, to, win. to have landed a job that pays you twice as much. And yes, and this yeah. is something that, that we've talked about, Matt, that the best way to get paid more, granted, you don't usually want to get laid off uh, in order to then pursue a job that pays you more because that's just a tenuous position to be in for most folks. Um, and But for Matt, it, you know, all is well that ends well. And so, Matt, congrats to you. And I think just listeners it's nice to know it's nice to hear how things ended up especially totally when it's a happy ending like this one yeah and so that being said if uh we have spoken with you or if we've answered one of your listener questions before we would we would love to hear from you uh hopefully the advice we have given you was able to benefit you and your situation but we don't always hear some of those stories we kind of save those honestly to like the end of the year yeah the listener money wins uh but i don't know it's also nice to kind of hear them along the way throughout the year as well to, to hear some of that good news some might even call it a good word oh which is the perfect lead into <laughs> the beer that we're having on this episode a little it teed you up didn't i good word brewing and public house is uh the, the they're the folks who brewed this delightful beer that we're having on the show today this one's called no wooden shoes and it's a a dunker beer which never heard of that never heard of it never had one <laughs> and we'll give it a shot and we'll give our thoughts at the end of the episode it sounds european <laughs> looking forward to enjoying it though. it's got to be german right so all right well, let's uh let's get on to the the listener questions matt and for everybody out there if you have a listener question we would love to hear your question and tackle it on an upcoming episode just go to how to money dot com slash ask there are simple directions there for how you can submit your voice memo to us uh, and hopefully appear on a future how to money episode but matt let's get to the first one this one is from a listener who has house hacking phobia hi guys thanks for answering my question my name is maddie i live in iowa so i am getting married in july and my fiance is very interested in house hacking I want to be a supportive fiance and I've started listening to podcasts and trying to find resources to research it, but I'm just finding myself pretty nervous. I cannot understand how we could get such a big home loan to start something like that. Um, A bit of background about us. We take home about 150 combined per year. We're in our late twenties. We have about $20,000 combined in student loans, which we're not paying off right now because they're still in the deferral. And we have a about 15 to 20 in a combined savings account. Um, Can you send me any resources or ways I can help support him on this? I love the idea. Um, The math just feels really far-fetched to me. I just love how he wants to get ahead financially. I do more of the day-to-day finances. He's kind of big picture, and I want this to make sense in my head. I'm just so nervous about it. So thanks for any help, guys. Hey, Maddie, congrats on getting married. And first of all, I think it's super cool that you are 
educating yourself in order to be supportive to your, your fiance here. You're not just doing this blindly. You're not just taking him at his word, what he thinks will happen. You're getting those details. You're getting that information. And I totally get it because I am the same kind of person. Yeah. I am the kind of individual who feels my fears are assuaged <laughs> when I've got more information right. uh, on hand, when, when I understand what is happening which is, to which, me. And I don't think this means that there's some sort of lack of trust here. I think this is actually just smart. On, oh, yeah. on Maddie's behalf to say, I want to understand what you're talking about because th- this is this is both of our money together here that we're talking about as we're getting married, combining finances in all likelihood. And so I want us to make a smart decision for us as a couple together. Exactly. Yeah. And Maddie, I, I see the fact that you and your fiance, that you have different personalities here. I see this as a massive advantage. I think it really does sound like that you're going to make a solid team because you have complementary personalities and strengths. I'm not going to pretend to, to be a psychologist here, oh, but uh, sleep at a holiday in last night, Matt, <laughs> I'm going to pretend to be a, a counselor. <laughs> it does sound like that if it was just up to you, Maddie, or if you weren't engaged uh, to more of a risk taker, that there might be a higher chance that you wouldn't consider house hacking at all. He might be a touch more conservative when it comes to uh, a big life choice like this. But because you're wanting to dig in, you're wanting to learn the details, I think this is going to be so important to your fiance as well. So this isn't just to your benefit, but I think it's to his benefit as well. Because it sounds like if he was doing this solo, he might be flying more by the seat of his pants, right? Maybe he <laughs> would be taking on unnecessary risks uh, and he'd likely have fewer of the details figured out ahead of time. Working together, it sounds like you'll be able to make the best possible decisions when it comes to this investment. That's right. I think so, Matt. I think there is a better benefit to different personality types working together. They can balance each other out. And and let's talk about house hacking in particular, because it is important to note that house hacking is not risk-free. Sure. It's, uh, you, you know, you're buying a really expensive asset and you're becoming a landlord at the same time. So there's like two major risk factors involved when you're going down this path. There's also just a big learning curve, too, like Maddie hinted at. But it's also important to mention that there are lots of far riskier wealth building routes that you could attempt, like sticking all your money in cryptocurrency, right? Uh, that would be recommend that. much riskier than going uh, in the house hacking direction. And part of the reason that house hacking isn't terribly risky, in our opinion, is because everyone needs a place to live. And the real estate market is actually, it's pretty easy to understand. It's easy to predict what your mortgage is going to be every month on the home that you buy. You know, let's say your monthly note is going to be $1,600, but there's a detached unit on the property that you could rent out for $800 a month. Well, you have a pretty solid idea of what the numbers are going to look like. Mm -hmm. This isn't some sort of pie in the sky, hoping against hope that you're going to make money or that it's going to cut your living expenses in half. You can know with relative certainty what those numbers are going to look like before you pounce. Totally. Uh, You know, there there are things like vacancy and repairs. You got to factor those things in. But the ability to curb housing costs in a major way, that's that's the main reason house hacking is such an effective strategy, in our opinion. Totally. And, and even repairs and vacancy, these are all things that you can build into your calculations, mm-hmm. right? You can calculate, say, 1% of the purchase price of the home toward repairs every single year. Or you can factor in 2% vacancy every year, that kind of thing. These are risks that you can account for. And I think that's what's key to Maddie is understanding what she's stepping into. Knowing the risks that you're taking on as opposed to the unknown risks that are floating out there it makes a big difference. Exactly, man. We, we think that house hacking truly is one of the best ways to get ahead financially uh, because you get to turn what, what what's really just an expense into something that is at least you know, that, that at least offsets a chunk of that expense of your housing costs. And in some cases, it'll actually generate 
income above and beyond what your uh, your housing expense is going to be, what your mortgage is. Uh, living for free sounds pretty great to me. <laughs> this is one of the one of the times in life when you get this one thing right that you're likely going to reap the rewards for years to come. Because housing is basically everyone's biggest expense, house hacking has the ability to have an outsized impact on your finances. Yeah, we don't want to sell a bill of goods that isn't isn't real in existence, but so many people have gone the house hacking route to massively curb their housing costs or to actually create an income stream in their lives every single month that it's it's impossible to avoid. And, and it's worth talking about. It is one of the, the best levers we know of to build wealth uh, in your life. Uh, and, and yeah, it's so customizable too. That's one of the cool things about house hacking that's worth mentioning because you can kind of dial up your house hacking strategy or dial it down depending on how involved you want to be and, and how much profit you want to see. And also, you know, how much cash you have on hand. For instance, if you're going to purchase a single family home anyway, but you opt for one with an unfinished basement, well, finishing that basement out, it shouldn't be too expensive. And then renting it out shouldn't be terribly difficult either. You could crank up how much you're going to make by renting it out on Airbnb, let's say. But it, it'll also mean that you're a lot more involved as you're flipping the space you know, after every stay. So that customization aspect of house hacking is really cool. And it, uh, it it's basically like a choose your own adventure. You can uh, go a simple route, renting out a space in your house to a friend that you know, making it even less daunting potentially. And then when it comes to how much money you want to put towards house hacking, at one of the end of the spectrum is the large down payment required for a nice quadplex, let's say. But simply renting out uh, in a room on Airbnb B&B isn't going to cost you more than just like a, an extra set of sheets, right, on the in the house that you're that's, already owned. That's um, a very affordable house hacking, right there. Exactly. Yeah, there's a, there's an entire spectrum. So the at options your fingertips. they're limitless. There's so many choices you can make. Uh, you can opt for the one that feels most comfortable uh, for you. Matt, I when I bought my first house, I had a roommate in there, and he paid for more than half of the mortgage. And then the house that we live in currently, before we renovated it for four and a half years, we rented out the back of our duplex. Now now it's a single family home to a friend. And so there are lots of options when it comes to house hacking, but it has consistently been good for me, even though I'm not some sort of house hacking maniac like Craig Kerlop, who we had on the show. That guy, he's done like every form of it possible, which is cool. But it's great to know that there are different options and you can pick the one that you know suits you best. Totally. Yeah. Craig Kerlop, that was episode 445, actually, that we had him on the show. But Maddie, generally speaking, y'all have a, a great combined salary here. Uh, it doesn't sound like you have much in debt, mostly student loans. You really are off to a great start. And so I would just encourage you to keep saving up more money for a down payment and for performing potential renovations while you are learning more about house hacking. Like we said, there are a bunch of different approaches and options available to you. And, you know, we can't detail them all here, but we will send you a copy of our buddy Craig Kirlop's book on house hacking, uh, which goes into so much more detail about the different strategies that folks can take. We will reach out, get that on its way to you. And for, for not only you, Maddie, but everyone out there, uh, I think considering house hacking, it's so important because it can have, again, it can have such a massive impact on the trajectory of your personal finances uh, in the years to come. Yeah, they always say if you get the big things right, you don't have to worry nearly as much about the little things. This is one of those big things. This is one of those big things. Think about all the coffees that you don't have to worry about splurging <laughs> <Right>. on <laughs> at the coffee shop if you were to get this one. Lattes every day if you're thing, right? <laughs> a, a delightful house hacker. Like if you know what you're doing. It might eat into your profits. If you, <laughs> Lattes uh, <laughs> once a week if you're a great, if you're once a great a week, house Once a week, that hacker. sounds great. Yeah. yeah. But all right. Uh, reasonable. Maddie, best of 
luck to you and your fiance as you guys kind of continue to think through this. But Matt, we've got more questions to get to, including one about hiring a financial advisor. Does it make sense? And what do you need to look out for? We'll get to that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making (laughs) making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash money. 
and you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we are back from the break taking listener questions, and we will get to that listener question about a financial advisor. But first, we're going to hear from a listener who wants to know how his student loan debt, how that's going to impact his investing strategy. Let's hear that one. Hi, Joel and Matt. My name is Dexter. I live in Athens, Georgia. I am originally from Chicago. I have a student loan question for you. Currently, I'm enrolled in the TSP Roth. I also am a enrolled in the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. I was wondering, because I believe the public service loan forgiveness program is based on adjusted growth income, does it make more sense for me to stop investing in the Roth TSP and switch to the traditional TSP or how much I need to invest into the traditional TSP for it to make sense to stop investing in the Roth? Thank you. All right, Matt. Your boy Dexter is calling from the classic city. Athens, Georgia. That's right. It's a good town. It is a good town. uh, I I like going there, even though I didn't go to school there. I went to a much lesser school, but that's okay. That's much. We don't talk about that. Not much lesser in... It's all about where it is in your heart. Joel. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's moved to the nether regions of my heart. But uh, <laughs> let's get to Dexter's question, and let's talk about student loan payments and how that affects how you invest. And 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 Dexter, those PSLF payments are based on your income, of course, right? Your adjusted gross income, that is. And so mm-hmm. lowering that AGI is going to in turn lower your student loan payments. Anyone uh, in the PSLF program knows that it takes 120 qualifying payments to be eligible for loan forgiveness, right? And that means uh, working for the U.S. military, a public school, or certain government agencies, that's what's going to get you qualified for public service loan forgiveness. But the smaller your payment is over the years, the great thing is that uh, the more debt it's going to be forgiven at the end of those 10 years of public service. So ideally, what you want, and I think Dexter, this is the way Dexter's thinking, you'd want to pay as little towards that loan as possible in order to maximize the total debt that's forgiven that's right. at the end of that decade. And so that's why these payment waivers have basically been just such an incredible windfall, especially for folks pursuing PSLF, because that's like a couple years worth of payments they haven't had to make that still count towards that overall time that you need uh, to, to basically receive forgiveness. Totally. Yeah. We're talking about two and a half years, maybe even more in the future of zero payments that are helping you to achieve complete forgiveness, Dexter. Uh, but your, your, your question here is an interesting one because contributing to a Roth is something that we love to do, that we love recommending for folks to do. And for the time being, we still would love for you to take that route. Uh, but only while these payments are still Uh, being paused. Once those payments resume, we want to see you investing in the traditional TSP instead, which by the way, that stands for thrift savings plan. Because when you invest in that traditional TSP, that's going to lower your AGI, which will then lower your payment, uh, creating the best scenario for eventual forgiveness. And again, the the TSP is basically like a, it's the federal government's version of a 401k. And it's actually really, really good. And the the fees on those funds are typically crazy low. Incredibly minimal. uh, but it has the same contribution limits, same early 
withdrawal penalties. It's basically like a standard issue federal government 401k. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and, and Matt, that's that's great advice too, because for right now, keep going with the Roth, but when those payments resume, move over to the traditional. And it's one of those things probably, especially with the amount of folks and the amount of how to money listeners who have student loan debt, that's probably something, a nuance we should throw in there more frequently because we do love the ability to save in a Roth, pay the taxes now and never pay tax again. But if investing inside of the traditional TSP or 401k or IRA is going to lower your AGI and lower your student loan payment, making you eligible for more forgiveness, then that is something more people should be considering and Dexter in particular should consider. And let's talk about ways to lower your AGI even more because one other thing to consider is contributing to a traditional IRA on top of what you're already contributing to your TSP, Dexter, because not only would you be investing more for your future, and lowering your tax rate, but you're also pushing that AGI down further, which obviously pushes your payments down even further, which means more forgiveness. And so uh, the same thing is when it comes to saving in something like an HSA, if you have access to one, a health savings account. And, and then once you get those loans fully forgiven, we want you to switch back to the Roth TSP. And that way you're going to be building up two different buckets of retirement money, both pre-tax and post-tax, which is going to give you more flexibility in retirement once you hit that age to determine your personal tax rate because uh, you've got these two different buckets you can pull from. And so, yeah, but it, it seems like once these payments resume, if they ever resume, that you should uh, <laughs> probably go towards the traditional uh, because that will have an impact on uh, when it comes to lowering that payment and just uh, you're, you'll be eligible for, for even more forgiveness. And yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I do think there are going to be some folks out there who hear us saying this and they might feel... I don't know. They might bristle a little bit at the idea of like, that is so much money. You, you're you talking about a massive amount of money to put towards retirement. Like it feels like you're kind of losing out. But I just want to remind folks, this is money that you are investing and putting aside for yourself. <laughs> this is this is a win-win situation where you are front-loading the sacrifice now. You're, put, you're socking that money away. Not only is that money going to be there for you years and decades down the road, uh, times, whatever it's grown into, but you're also reducing the amount of taxes that you're going to be paying on that money, on your income now by reducing your income. It's yeah. a win-win situation, even though it might feel day-to-day -day like you're losing out because that's money that you don't get to experience in a very tangible way. But just know that this is most definitely a win-win situation. Yeah. And, and it's a kind of a short timeline, really, when we're talking about it. There's a decade here where Dexter can maximize the amount he pushes into those retirement accounts, minimizing yep. that gross income, and then at the same time, minimizing those student loan payments. But it'll be over in, in a blip and forgiveness will be here before he knows it. And then he can go back to Roth contributions and incorporating some more of his earnings into his lifestyle. Totally. So our next listener uh, is on the West Coast in she wants to know whether or not she should be paying for some financial advice. Good morning, Joel and Matt. My name is Amy and I live in the Seattle, Washington area. I have a few questions about financial advisors. After listening to your podcast, it sounds as if I should get a fiduciary who is fee only. I've been investigating myriad financial advisors, and I recently interviewed someone who works for Vestry. The lady with whom I spoke stated that her services are fee-based, and she believes there is no difference between fee-only and fee-based. What are your thoughts regarding fee-based versus fee-only services? Thank you for your anticipated response, 
And I hope you have a fabulous day and enjoy your beers in moderation. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Amy, thanks for your question. Moderation, Matt, I don't, if we don't say it enough, it is key. I think totally. Amy's got a good point there. And we like craft beer, but we like craft beer in small amounts. Yeah. And, and actually today's we're not, beer, si- we're not sitting here on the show just like crushing beers left no. and right. That's <laughs> not, there are some podcasts you, that do that. You would probably hear it if we were. You would <laughs> understand that we were drinking more than we should be. But that is not our MO. No, not at all. So yeah, let's let's uh, actually get get to Amy's question though. And I want to stick stick a big if in Amy's question because she said like you recommend this but well the thing is if you decide that you think you need a financial advisor then we would say hiring a fiduciary is very important the thing is Amy might not need one and so Amy we would encourage you to think long and hard about what it is you're looking for in an advisor mm-hmm. before you start interviewing them or or whether you actually even need one. And so questions like, uh, can I DIY this task instead of hiring someone else to do it for me? That's always a great question to yeah. ask. I mean, the answer might be, no, I can't. These are important questions. I don't have the knowledge and I've got too much on the line here. And so you might find that you need an advisor. Uh, but knowing what you want to get out of the relationship and then ensuring that this particular person you choose can provide the service you need is key to ensuring that you're hiring the right financial advisor. Yeah, that's right. And you know, we will do our best to give you enough information to make a wise decision. Uh, but let's talk about your fiduciary question here for a second. Uh, the reason that we stress hiring an advisor who is a fiduciary is because that means that they are legally required to do whatever it is uh, that is going to be in your best interest. It's not a like a, it's not a pinky promise or, <laughs> or just like an honest pledge. Although those it pinky is, promises go a long way, Matt. It, it, this is a legal designation. If they won't sign a fiduciary oath, then we would recommend for you to move on. Uh, also, it's a good idea to hire someone who has the CFP designation as well. Uh, that stands for Certified Financial Planner. And those letters after someone's name means that they've passed a rigorous exam. Uh, I'd want to make sure that my planner was both of those things before moving forward at all. That's right. Yeah, I agree with that. And and then Amy asked specifically about fee-based versus fee-only. And, and let's zero in on that for a second, Matt, let's because do it. they're actually quite different, uh, potentially. They, they, they sound the same. It's That's like right. fee-only, fee-based. Okay, yeah, both have the word fee in there. And I can see how someone might get tricked by by going to someone who said, yeah, I'm fee-based. And they're like, all right, that's what Matt and Joel said. But no, it's not. We said fee-only. And a fee-only planner gets paid by you directly. They make their money in one way only, and that's the fee they charge, which could be a percentage of the money you have invested with them, or it could be a flat hourly rate, which is my preferred way uh, for people to pay their advisors. But either way, it's easy to see how much money that advisor is being compensated for the work that they're doing on your behalf. Fee-based, it sounds really nice, but it's not the same. And that's because your advisor can, if they're fee-based, make commissions for selling you certain products, That's right. which creates a potential conflict of interest, right? It's hard to know whether the advice they're giving you is based on what's best for you or what's best for them. It's it's fee-based, but, but it's not the same thing as fee-only. And so fee-only is our favorite by a long shot. Exactly. Yeah. Fee-based leaves the door open for them to make money in a myriad of ways, whereas right. fee-only, it limits. It's, it's saying that this is how it is that 
I am compensated. Mm -hmm. Um, And the cool thing, Amy, is that it's easier than ever to find an advisor that meets these qualifications. There are are a lot of sites out there like napfa.org, N-A-P-F-A.org. It stands for the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. There's the XY Planning Network as well. But both of these folks have, uh, these companies have created platforms that only allow for fee-only fiduciaries to participate. They've already separated the wheat from the chaff on your behalf. So that's not something you have to worry about. And one of the other advancements, one of the other developments that we like seeing is the fact that advisors are specializing more than ever before these days as well. And so depending on what you do or what your specific needs are, you can find an advisor who, who fits that role. Sometimes they, they might specialize in certain age groups or they might work with folks in a particular industry. Uh, some will specifically serve artists or, you know, some others might target a, like a generational group of folks. Some might even just specialize in student loan debt. But finding someone who, who specializes in whatever it is that you are looking to receive the most assistance in is a great thing. Yeah, so if I was looking on XY Planning Network, Matt, I'd be looking for someone who serves subpar podcasters. And and I would say, listen, uh, can you help me? Can you service a, a group of individuals who know what they're talking about, but may not be all that great at it? <laughs> they're they're decent. Okay, we'll say decent. Yeah. And we pass. Yeah. So no, I, I like that. I like that recommendation. I like both of those sites. It's a good idea too to interview a few different advisors before you settle on one because it's a really big decision. You know, setting, setting up a Zoom call with a few different folks who meet your qualifications, Amy, and uh, seeing which one makes the most sense for you is a good route to go. You're, wanna, you're gonna wanna make sure you feel comfortable with this person as an individual because they're helping you manage one of life's biggest components, your money. And another cool thing is that they don't even have to be in your city or in your neighborhood. You know, you live in Washington state, but if you find someone in, I don't know, let's say Iowa, it's still okay to hire and to do business with that person yeah. if they're the best fit for what you need. Obviously, the world is just smaller than it ever has been in so many ways. And so you can find that niche advisor who's going to serve you the best, even if they're you know not right around the corner from where you live. That's right. So keep sticking with us. We've got a couple other questions we're going to get to, including a very creative slash maybe overly complicated way to invest your money that we wouldn't necessarily recommend. We'll get to that question plus one right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to cachava.com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get 10% off your first order. That's K A C H A V A dot com slash how to money. Joel, so we were just recounting our trip to Scotland. This is the trip that we took this time last year, actually, with some of our friends over the weekend. And one of the highlights from Edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, man. I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. We've got a question actually about planning for baby expenses, how to do that in the most tax-efficient method. We'll get to that in just a bit. Mm -hmm. But for now, let's get to that complex investing question that we're not big fans of. Uh, Let's hear it. Hi, Matt and Joel. My name is Danielle, and I'm from Minnesota. I'm curious about your thoughts on Kaizen life insurance plans and on barring against permanent life insurance policies in general. I see the upsides of being able to accumulate tax-free gains, especially with the Kaizen plans. I am curious, though, who these plans actually work for. For the Kaizen, it seems like I would be depending on the market to beat Kaizen's interest rate. And for both, that I would have a substantial amount of money tied up for a while. Also, are these policies only for retirement planning? And is the 5% interest rate worth it for the withdrawal or should I pay tax on normal investments? And lastly, if I'm going to get a life insurance 
policy anyway, is this a good option? Thank you so much. All right. So the TLDR uh, for, for Danielle is no. <laughs> the TLDR is run away fast. This is not something we would recommend. Your, your question has kind of got the, the alarm bells ringing. We would recommend for you to, to slowly cut ties with this insurance salesman or this, this line of products that you're looking at, whoever it is that you're talking to, who's trying to convince you that this is the right product for you. And that's because permanent life insurance policies make a nice chunk of change for insurance salespeople, but they leave you with an inferior product that, that's going to cost you more money in premiums every single month. And not just like a little bit more <laughs> where you're paying for just a nicer version of something, a lot more, a ton more, like like 15 times more <laughs> every <laughs> single month. And that is a lot of money that you could be doing much better stuff with, like actually investing that money. Yeah. So let's look at maybe some actual data points, because for, let's say, a 35-year-old woman, the difference between a million-dollar term policy versus a whole life policy, like Danielle's looking at, well, it could be something along the lines of $41 a month versus $627 a month. <laughs> oh, so you crap. said 15X, and that's accurate, Matt. That the, the numbers bear that so out. so much more. It's a huge difference. And, and the question is, why is there such a big difference? Why is it so expensive? Well, part of it is the commissions that the person selling you that policy makes when you sign on the dotted line. They usually get at a minimum, the entire amount of the first year's premiums as a commission. So you're not necessarily, uh, those dollars aren't going to, to fund your policy. They're going to the person selling you that policy. And the heart of the problem is that most folks don't need a permanent life insurance policy at all. You know, most folks, even the insurance salesperson, can't even understand or explain exactly how this product works. Yeah. It would there's a problem with that, right? If you can't explain and even if the person selling it can't fully and accurately explain what's happening, then it's something we want you to avoid because and specifically Danielle, like if you're thinking about doing this but you can't, you don't understand it. You can't explain it to like an 8-year-old. That to me is like the bar that we need to cross. If I can't explain how this thing works to to my 8-year-old daughter, then I don't need to be participating. That's a sign that it's probably too complex and that there are nefarious things going on you know, underneath. Totally. It's an overly complicated product. Uh, and the last thing that Daniel asked was if you're going to get a life insurance policy anyway, whether or not this permanent life variety is a good idea. And the answer is no. Like It, it kind of makes me think back to the earlier question about house hacking, where it does make sense to consider house hacking. It's like, okay, we're going to get a house anyway. What if we offer that place that's maybe $20,000 more but it happens to have this separate apartment that we could use to generate income, or it yeah. has a carriage house. That's an instance where it does make more sense because there's enough of a benefit that you would be receiving from that. But that is not the case when it comes to this permanent life insurance. Now, the best life insurance products out there for, for basically everyone uh, is going to be a term life insurance policy. How much you need and, and how long of a term that you need depends on your specific life circumstances. For instance, you want to consider how much money you make. Uh, you want to consider how old your kids are. Well, actually, we can link to an article that will help you to shop for term life insurance in, in, in our show notes. But it is going to be so much cheaper to get a life insurance uh, policy that way, which allows you to then optimize those additional substantial large amount of dollars that you would have put towards insurance and instead to take those dollars and to funnel that money towards investments. Yeah, when you talk about that, what's 627 minus 41, Matt? Those are the two numbers that I gave earlier about the monthly cost of those policies. And think that's that's almost $600. That's like $588 or something yeah. like that, right? And how much can good can you do with that much money a month? There's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can do. And so we're we're big fans of keeping investing and insurance products 
separate, right? Because life insurance is about replacement of income. And that's all the term insurance does. It does one thing and it does that one thing really, really well. And Danielle mentioned those tax-free gains inside of that the, the whole life policy. Well, those sound nice, but the returns will almost inevitably be lower than investing in the ways that we suggest. You know, there are better ways to grow your money than in a liquid, non-optimized vehicle like whole life insurance. And even when whole life products work out okay, they still take a long time. We're talking like 15 years or more to look like even a reasonable choice in any way, form, or fashion. And that's a lot of years. Most people actually give up on their policies before they hit that point. They stop paying those premiums because they are exorbitant and they're hard to keep in your budget. And so, yeah, look at the history of stock market returns, Danielle. And if your main goal is to generate wealth, socking extra money in the stock market is a far superior choice, like Matt said, than accruing cash value in your whole life policy. And and at the same time, you know what? You can still afford to have that tiny term policy and it can actually be a big, a lot of coverage, a big coverage amount, but the premiums are so tiny that it's easy to keep that on hand for the entire duration. Whereas a whole life policy, you might find yourself balking just a few years in because it's so dang expensive. That's right. One, one other kicker on the cash value portion of your life insurance, Danielle, that you're considering is that if you pass away, the cash value that you've built up, it goes to the insurance company, not to your survivors. Oh, man. It's and... like getting kicked while you're down <laughs> and dead. Yeah. What, one final note. We would encourage you to, to not let taxes be the tail that wags the dog here. Uh, like We do think it's a smart idea to do some tax planning and to have a holistic tax strategy to understand what's going on with your finances from a very high level. But paying higher fees and accepting worse returns and worse products in an attempt to minimize your tax burden is just shooting yourself in the foot. Term life insurance and, and tax advantage retirement accounts are the clear way to go. Keep them separate and you'll be much better off, not only in the long term, but even next month. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. When that premium comes due and you're like, ha, yikes. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. So, Danielle, best of luck. And hopefully you just stop responding to the emails of this person who's trying to sell this policy to you. <laughs> Ghost them. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, all right, Matt, let's get to our, our next and final question. This one is about preparing for a baby. Hi, Matt and Joel. This is Sarah. I'm in Salt Lake City and contacting you guys with some questions that I have about planning for baby expenses. The episode that you guys did about child expenses a few weeks ago was really helpful. And then I had a couple follow-ups about um, daycare expenses and about our W-4s. So I know at some point, my spouse and I will want to update our W-4s to reflect that we have a dependent so that they're taking out a little bit less taxes. Should we do that now or wait until the baby's officially here in a few months? We're also planning on having our child in daycare. And we know that some or all possibly of that will be tax deductible. And we both have access to dependent care FSAs through work. So I'm wondering if you have any guidance on how to navigate that. Should we start contributing now, start contributing later? Are there limits on how much we'll be able to deduct? Um, If we don't bother with the DCFSA, can we still deduct daycare expenses when we file our taxes as long as we keep our receipts and invoices? And would daycare expenses be deductible on on top of the standard deduction, or is this potentially a case where I'd still end up taking the standard deduction and daycare expenses might not change my refund? Thanks for listening, guys. I learned so much from your show, and it's been really helpful. Sarah, congrats on uh, the new baby, the the new addition to your family. 
And I'm going to say that it's incredibly evident that this is a child that's going to be well cared for. <laughs> I feel like you are on top of things. You're asking the right questions and hopefully we'll be able to provide you with a bunch of good answers today. Uh, so first, let's get to your, your W4 question, whether you should make that change now or after the baby is born. If it was me, I'd go ahead and make that change now. What, honestly, just like now while you're thinking about it before you have the baby before you're in the fog of changing diapers into the middle of the night, uh -huh. like make feedings, that whole thing. That will mess you up. You don't have to wait until a special enrollment period, so that's something you can go ahead and do now. Uh, it's also not a huge deal if you forget to make those changes because that extra money, you know, like it will be withheld from your paycheck and then you'll just get it back as a refund next April. But from a principled standpoint, I would rather not be making interest-free loans to the government. Go ahead and make those changes now. Yeah, and by the way, Matt, just a reference for everyone else out there listening. If you heard what Matt said and you're realizing, wait a second, I get a massive refund every single year. Well, chances are you haven't updated your W-4 and you probably should. Right. And so we'll actually link to an IRS tax withholding estimator, which can come in handy and help you figure out how much you should be withholding. Yeah, typically that's something that folks fill out when they first are hired and then they don't change they never for, go in for years. And I think sometimes folks like getting that big refund, but just imagine what you could be doing with that money on a month to month basis, as opposed to waiting for it to hit you know, in the spring. Yeah, especially if you have higher interest rate debt, you could use that money right now to be paying oh, down yeah. that debt and not just waiting until next April <laughs> in hopes of a bigger tax refund. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, uh, Matt, Sarah had a similar question regarding whether she should start contributing to that DCFSA, the Dependent Care Flexible Spending Account now mm -hmm. or doing it later. And here's the thing. Uh, Sarah, if you're absolutely certain that you'll be utilizing that those funds in order to cover the cost of childcare, then it doesn't hurt to start squirreling away some of those funds now. But as is typical with FSAs, if you don't end up using that money, you're going to lose it. Use it so, or lose it. Yeah. So if you stick it in and then you don't actually get around to using it, it's gone. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes some of it rolls over into the next year, depends on kind of how the employer handles it specifically. So you might you might be able to see $500 of that rollover, but the rest of it could just be, it could vanish into thin air. And, and there are definitely limits on how much you can set aside for this year. It's actually back to a normal $5,000 after Congress boosted that to over $10,000 for last year only. So that's important to note. That's the limit on what you can stick inside of that account. Yeah, you may have heard your friends being like, oh no, you can put aside like over $10,000. No, that was last year. That was for the pandemic, not this year. But Sarah, you asked if you can still deduct child care expenses if you don't want to mess around with the dependent care flexible spending account. That is totally an option. Uh, but for most folks, going with the DCFSA is likely going to be the best move. And some of this is going to depend on your income. It's going to depend on your tax bracket. And since we don't know all of your detailed information, this is one of those instances where it would be a smart move to check in with a tax professional to fully optimize and to pay as little money as possible in, in taxes. But the good news is that you do have options. And like you said, if, if you choose not to go with the DCFSA, uh, the way that you reclaim some of that money is through the Child Independent Care Credit. And note that what I said there is it's a credit uh, and that is a, a lot different than a deduction. And so you were asking about the standard deduction that will not impact your ability to claim that credit for you to receive that money for expenses that go towards childcare after you have this baby and y'all are both looking to get back into the workforce.
That's right. And there's a lot to like about those flexible spending accounts, Matt. But then there, like I said, there are ways that it could trip you up if you contribute too much and you can't use it all. And especially depending on what time of year that baby is born, how much time you have off, whether you actually do have childcare needs or not mm-hmm. in 2022, that's going to impact on whether or not you're going to want to stick money into that account or not. Yeah. But it depends on, on how much flexibility you're looking that's for. That's right. Because if you're not totally sure, then it's like, well, I'm, I don't know if you you want to do it. It makes me think of 529 accounts, right? Where right. it's like there is a tax advantage to doing this thing, but you got to use it for that thing. Right. And luckily with 529s, it seems like there's more options to, to do things with that if your one kid doesn't end up going to college. But with an FSA, that money just evaporates at the year's end. Yeah, that's right. So you don't want to stick any money in that you're unsure of yes. uh, whether you're going to actually get around to spending it. But otherwise, if you know that that money is going to be spent on childcare expenses, go ahead and use it up because it'll yeah help you help your bottom line come tax time. So, all right, man, that's going to do it for listener questions. Let's get back to the beer that we had on today's episode. This one is called No Wooden Shoes. It's a Donker Beer style lager by Good Word Brewing. What were your thoughts on this beer? I'm assuming it's part Dunkel, uh, right? Like that's a type of beer. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 know American style craft beers. I like drinking beer, but so I, yeah. well, but as far as some of the European styles, we could definitely. Get schooled on some of the different styles, but I, that being said, I really like this beer. It's just a beer. Like, that's what it tastes like. It's just a a standard, maybe a little more in the malt direction, where it kind of had some of those bready notes, uh, medium-bodied, refreshing beer to enjoy during the spring. Okay. So, I'll agree with you on there. I thought it actually had, like, some amber notes, uh, which were delightful. And interestingly enough, reading the back of the can, this is a recipe uh, that's based on an old Heineken beer that they released in 1939. Oh, no way. So, I thought that was kind of cool that this beer has kind (laughs) of some history to it, like, almost coming up on 100 years of history. This is an old school style beer. And I, I like it because it is kind of light and refreshing, but still has, yeah, some sort of backbone. It's not like drinking a Budweiser. That's for no, sure. Yeah, no, this has a lot not. more going on than just that. Um, but it's still nice and chill and easily accessible. And I feel like even folks that don't really like beer could probably get down with this beer. Actually, I really dig the label as well. It's it's, uh, it's an illustration, like a cartoon, but it's got a black background, which anytime I see that, have you ever seen Dr. Seuss? So, you know, he make, he's drawn all the things for, for kids' books and whatnot, but he has an entire series of paintings he did oh, yeah. with the black backgrounds totally. that have a very more mature adult not like in a nasty or sexy way or whatever, but it's just more visually appealing, I, I guess, to adults. Uh, but specifically the the black background. So anytime I see that, I think I'm I'm drawn to that because the first time I discovered those, I, I thought, no, that's a Dr. Seuss painting that I would 100% put up on the wall, like in my house. You <laughs> yeah. know, like like you're not really thinking about that when it comes to you know Cat in the Hat or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not putting a zizzers as or zuzz on my walls, but <laughs> no. I might put up one of those. Maybe paintings. if it was on a black background, I would. I don't know. It, the, it would look way cooler. There was a biography that I read about him that was just completely fascinating and I forget what it was called off the top of my head but if you're like interested interesting dude very interesting guy <laughs> so go listen to the Dr. Seuss biography it was I, I listen on audiobooks so I say nice. listen okay. uh, but it was yeah it was really good so alright that's going to do it for this episode uh, just a reminder if you have a question you want to submit for Matt and I to take on an upcoming episode we'd love to hear it just go to howtomoney.com slash ask for the directions it's pretty simple and we can't wait to hear from you alright Matt until next time best friends out best friends out
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 